climate of today that spoke to me and it gave me the subject, a warrant for our demise. People of the internet, it's EDB here. That's Eric Deshaun Baird for long. And if you're listening to this when it is released on September the 27th, 2020. Can you believe it's the last Sunday in September? <laughs> we started this, what, April? Five months ago? Let's see, May, June, July, August, September. Yeah, and here we are heading into month six of these Sunday meditations. Now, I know that you are getting ready to do whatever it is you're going to do. I appreciate you for coming on in and doing what you're going to do today. And I'm going to give you a few minutes to get yourself ready for us to be about that life. That's all right. So if you just, like I said, go ahead and get your water in your bottle. You may be going for a walk. You may be going for a run on the treadmill. I don't know what you're going to do, but you go ahead and get ready. We're going to have a few moments of consciousness, call to action, if you will. And following, we'll be ready for our meditation. Awesome sauce, awesome sauce. Amen. Amen. And uh, today we're going to uh, uh, do something very differently towards the end of our service. We're going to, uh, if you are familiar or been around here since the beginning, you will know that uh, uh, we had Pastor Booth praying and Mama Grandmama, Mama Stayed would pray right after him. We did that in the beginning. Uh, and we found out that because of time restraints, having both of them in the same hour just wasn't conducive to get us out of church on time. And uh, I have realized that we cut prayer, the devil started rising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I decided to put the prayer back. Mm-hmm. And so after our conversation, uh, Mama, Grandmama is going to uh, spiritually, as I like to say, spit on us again. And for those of you who missed Pastor Booth, the prayer that the the spiritual oil that came from his mouth, you get it from Grandma Benin. Because you're feeling some type of way today. I know it. I was talking to someone this week, and I said, uh, we're trying, but... I ain't got you to turn that news off yet. You ain't watched it. You're reeling. It's been a hard 168 hours this week. I've watched the young people on the internet, and they were they were crying. I ain't never seen folks feeling so hopeless over death in all days of my life. 
but this justice passing has just left a sense of hopelessness mm-hmm. over a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then you, uh, uh, I was also sharing, not as much this week. I thank the Lord. I ain't had to talk to too many people this week. I didn't feel good about my life. But the one or two people I did share with, I said, you know, it, it's when when you were, I was talking to an old preacher. I said, when you was a preacher, or you were young, it was almost easy to not have to do politics in church because politics wasn't as bad. You could kind of go to church and preach the gospel and kind of spit over it and the people got the message in code and you went on about your business. Now it's just bleak. It's not about Democrat or Republican. It's again about right versus wrong. And I was reading an article uh, where someone said, uh, you know, I understand the woman died, but we got a job to do, so we're going to move on, which is fine. But we all know it's unfair, and you're feeling it. Now, I'm not here to talk about the politics. I'm here to talk about how you feel at this moment. You watch the, the war break out in our nation's capital. Then you went 600 miles left. Louisville, Kentucky, you saw that, and that won't fail. Then you watch that war break out down there, over there. And if that weren't enough bad, somebody told you that the governor and the first lady of Virginia caught the virus. And that sent you off. Then you saw what he did down there, talking about the chief executive of these states united in Newport News, and that set you off. And then you saw last night about his Supreme Court picking. If I got in the way, you wouldn't have saw it. You would have had the news off, but you didn't do it. You saw it. And that set you off. And most of you on this call are very strong-willed Christians, you can you can get over it, but there's the others of you that I know the events of this week sent us, some of us into depression, into hopelessness, into a feeling of there's nothing that we can do and we're just doomed. A lot of folks are desperate for answers this morning. Desperate for a need of a touch, a comforting hand from the Savior. Anybody need a just a comforting hand from the Savior this morning? Yes. Yeah. He only gonna come touch one person. <laughs> Everybody awake on me this morning? Yes. All right, all right, all right. 
Well, since we need that touch comforted hand, I was thinking this morning about uh, where that touch could come from. And I came up to Sister Sylvia DeCee Martin, who was a Canadian-American writer of many religious hymns and gospel songs in the late 19th century, early 20th century. Her and her husband, Walter, studied ministry at Harvard. She was smart. Where he became a Baptist minister, but later switched to the Disciples of Christ. Yeah, he got a little Pentecostal bug in him. Together they created hymns and songs, which have become widely known. Some of her pieces, most popular pieces, should I say, includes the meditation that I believe is the cure for how many of us are feeling this morning. And I'm going to move out the way so Sister Clarice can read it to us. The lyrical meditation this morning is God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Through days of toil, when heart doth fail, God will take care of you. When danger fears your path assail, God will take care of you. All you may need, he will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean, weary one, upon his breast. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Amen. Anybody uh, believe that God will take care of them this morning? Yes, I know you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up, I'm going to say this quickly. I was taught that you make it personal. You have to make it personal. Not just throw it out there in the words, but you have to make it personal. So as Brother Dennis comes, if you believe it, say, God will take care of me. God will take, will take care of me. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Brother Dennis. All right. You know, when I was preparing for this, actually, I had this uh, Bible verse for a while. It's just been sitting here waiting to be used. 
and I think today is a, a proper day to use it. You know, because uh, you know, Eric talked about uh, God will take care of you. Uh, you know, and last week I talked about how much uh, who lives loves us. Jesus, Jesus loves us. Jesus will always love us. God will always love us. And uh, as we look at this Bible verse, we have to think about what was going on in this this man's life at the time uh, that he wrote it, the psalmist. Uh, and uh, he uh, he just puts it all out there. I mean, it's just one one little verse. Uh, it's something that if you cling to it, uh, it, it explains what God will do, what God will do for you, how he, how he will take care of you, how he will provide for you. Uh, it's uh, quick and easy, uh, so you can, you can mark it in your, your, uh, your instruction book in Psalms, it's, uh, uh, Psalm 1611. Some of you probably know this verse, and if not, this is maybe your first time to hear it. Uh, it comes from the New King, King James Version, and actually pretty much whatever version you, you pick up, it's, um, it's uh, pretty much the same. I, I did some uh, uh, flipping around in the NIV, and uh, even the King James Version, the original, uh, the, is... Uh, so it it's, uh, doesn't change much. They don't add too many words or change too many words. Some of the uh, Bible verses, they'll, they'll make them a little easier, uh, uh, I don't want to say to understand, but easier to read. Uh, but, you know, we know that the Spirit of God is the one that helps us read them and helps us understand them. So as I read this verse, think about the words. Think about what this promise is and who promises, uh, this, made this promise to us. Okay, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand are pleasures for evermore. Short and sweet. And who, who do you think the psalm's talking about? In this, uh, you know who he's talking about. He's talking about God. He says, you will show me the path of life. Do we, do we listen to what God tells us? Uh, does he show us the path of life? We talk about all this stuff coming up with the election and, and this going on and that going on. You know, I got my uh, 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 mail-in ballots the other day for myself and the family. Um, and I set them on the table. I haven't opened them. We haven't got that far yet. But, you know, I took a few minutes and prayed over that whatever decisions we make, not only us, but uh, the rest of the world, of these United States, um, you know, that it's the right one. Um, you know, it'll be the right one that God wants, and, and that's the main thing. Uh, God's, God's in control. We know that. Uh, God used a lot of people in a lot of different ways um, to make things uh that followed his will to get his will done. Sometimes he uses people that uh, aren't, the, uh, what I want to say, uh, maybe don't, don't follow him. Has God ever put somebody in your life that maybe is not a Christian but has said something to you that, that made your, your Christian heart burn that you haven't, uh, you weren't being a Christian at the time? Um, so we have to think about that. You know how God shows us the path of life to take but, uh, and, and that's important, okay? 
and, and in his presence we will have the fullness of joy at the right hand his pleasures are for other men so the right hand of God you know, we know that Jesus is at the right hand of God and that we will be there when we join them in, in eternal life in heaven you know, I'm looking forward to that uh, I talked to my brother yesterday and uh, uh, we talked about how we're going to have a reunion with, with our parents and how we're going to do this little uh, little three step that we that my dad used to do and uh, all the brothers are, and my father are going to do it together and, uh, in the sight of God because you know, it'll make him happy it, it'll make him happy because we want to worship him uh, in the way that we uh, know that uh, you know makes us happy so so, uh, you know, things you look forward to, uh, and you just think about these things, you know, you you uh, think about what God wants you to do, and then, and how God loves us no matter what, how the Spirit of God uh, leads us and, and uh, shows us the right and the wrong. So we know that God will take care of us, and we know that God will provide for us, and we know that God will uh, be there when we uh, reach our eternal rest. And so we have to cling to this, and we have to know that God will provide the joy that we need. We just have to give him the, uh, all the honor and the glory of that, and just be there. Just be there when he asks us to be who, who we need to be, who we need to be in his sight. We need to be the guiding lights of Jesus, the, the Savior, and our Lord. Amen. And amen. 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 I was listening to the end of our services, and it's wonderful, that lovely question that they ask every mm-hmm. Sunday at the end of the service. I love it. It's a beautiful question. But I t- was sharing. I said, I didn't heard it so much. It just goes in one ear right the other to me, and I'm in here. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I said, you know, there's a lot of words for somebody to try to remember. The ABCs, accept, believe, and confess. And I know what the Bible says. But sometimes the Bible, the handbook, if you look at it literally as a student, it can contradict itself. That's why the Bible says you can't look at things with carnal eyes. You've got to look at it through the eyes of the Spirit because if you just look at it literally, it contradicts itself. On one half, the Bible says that you, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And, uh, you tell the Lord that I'm a sinner. And you know you died for me and all that good stuff. It, when you really, 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 really get to God, you can't remember all that stuff. But then I thought about the thief on the cross. That's why I know you can't remember it. Because when you really get desperate, when you really get down in the dumps, when you really get to that moment where you just crowd for help, you can't remember the proper terms. All you can say is, Lord, remember me. Mm-hmm. Remember me. 
And so at the end of the meditation, as Mama Bell is preparing to play, the only thing I could say to you is the proper invitation. When you get in your moment of distress, your season of trial, you just tell the Lord, Lord, please remember me. told her to do that, but I did not. <laughs> Where's your mind? Where's your mind? Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Yes, indeed. Yes. Luke chapter 22 Verse 31. Luke chapter 22. Verse 31. Uh, To be fair, I'm going to be a Christian today and read it in the translation that most of you have and then I'm a backslide and read the translation I want to read it it says in the King James Version and the Lord said Simon Simon behold Satan has desired to have you 
that he may sift you as wheat. And in the translation I want to read, it says, Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has obtained permission to come and sift you all like wheat and test your faith. Satan has obtained permission in the climate of today that spoke to me and it gave me the subject a warrant for our demise a warrant for our demise and now our Lord Savior and most importantly our Father I ask that you will allow need to present your case today that all of your spiritual jurors both listening now and forever will without shadow or doubt see clearly what you are saying to us in Jesus name I ask and those united in this prayer will declare Amen. 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 William Lynch identified himself as the master of modest plantation in the British West Indies, who had been summoned to the Virginia colony by local slave owners to advise them on problems they have been having in managing their slaves. He briefly noted that their current violent methods of handling unruly slaves, lynching, though the term is not used as inefficient, and counterproductive. Instead, he suggests that they adopt his method, which consists of exploiting differences such as age, skin color, in order to pit slaves against each other. This method, he assured his hosts, will control the slaves for at least 300 years. Divide and rule, or divide and conquer used in politics and sociology as a way of gaining and maintaining power by breaking up larger concentrations of power into pieces that individually have less power than the one implementing the strategy. The use of this technique is meant to empower the sovereign to control subjects, populations, or factions of different interests who collectively might have been able to oppose the rule. In politics, this concept refers to a strategy that breaks up existing power structures 
and especially prevent smaller power groups from linking up, causing rivalry, fomenting discord among the people to prevent a rebellion. I mean, you know, that's why Dr. King is in his grave. That's why Malcolm X is in his grave. This prevention of rebellion against the elites or the people implementing the strategy. The goal is either to pit the lower classes against themselves to prevent a revolution. That's why we still broke. Or to provide a desired solution to the growing discord that strengthens the power of the elite. That's why we're killing each other in the streets. Clive, our body, found that divide and conquer was a common strategy by corporate psychopaths used as a smokescreen to help consolidate and advocate their grip on power in the corporate bureaucracy. Another gentleman by the name of Harry G. Broadman opted Forbes regarding the chief executive of these states united, Donald Trump. In his campaign, the president, he said, has been successful at least to date, pursuing a divide and conquer strategy domestically and internationally to try to achieve his goals. This results in an absence of robust set of checks and balances to ensure that the best economic interests of the U.S. and the world will be served. If you're still with me, say divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. There were almost 700,000 slaves in the U.S. in 1790, which equated to approximately 18% of the total population or roughly one in every six people. By 1860, the final census taken before the American Civil War, there were four million just in the South, compared with less than 0.5 million free African Americans in the U.S. South. Of the 4.4 million African Americans in the South before the war, almost 4 million of these people were held as slaves. Meaning that for all African Americans living in the U.S. in 1860, in the South and the North combined, 89% were more than likely living as slaves. In Virginia, 
there were close to 370,000 blacks and close to 100,000 whites. With 40,000 of those, 170,000 free. Think with me just for a moment. You just take a little time to sit back in your chair, fold your arms, and rock a little bit. You know how you do. Maybe get a good head shake in there just to make sure you're awake. (laughs) 370,000 to slightly, just slightly, I mean it's a hair string, over 100,000 white. 300,000. Now, I don't do math very well. I have made that point crystal clear. I actually had to use a calculator to figure out what 370 minus 170, and that's an easy number. That's a $270,000, a $270,000 person. But isn't it amazing? 370,000? That's a majority. Now, we, as African-American people, could not achieve the goals prescribed not by Congress, not by a chief executive, but by our Heavenly Father, our Creator, and we couldn't do it when we were in the majority. Why is that? Somebody shout divide. Divide. And conquer. And conquer. Divide and conquer. They want to fight each other. Gunning each other down in the streets. They don't care if we burn down houses and destroy businesses. You don't find nobody burning down Walmart, do you? Ain't nobody attacking Jeff Bezos' business. No, they're burning down our mom and pop shops. They're burning down our own schools. They're burning down our own houses. You got ABC, NBC, CBS. They don't care. The angrier you get, the more their ratings go up. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk to you just for a few moments. Why, why you got your arm folded real bit? That 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 that, that head of yours just a bopping. Uh huh. Maybe take your little finger and pat it against your upper lip a little bit, like you're really thinking hard. Just think with me a few moments about this news it just has one philosophy you know the news does I mentioned it two seconds ago their one philosophy is to incite emotion placing you in a state of significance and somewhat deep regret 
He said, how are you in regret? You just sat down and watched the news, some of you. And after it's over, you cussed out your neighbors, your aunts, your uncles. I know I did. Let's just tell the truth. (laughs) And then at the end, you realize that you love them people that you just stabbed, shot up, and ran through the meat grinder. You're crying your heart out as you go to the kitchen cabinet and put out the little spiritual duct tape to put them back together. (laughs) I get but the news is all about sensationalism. The disproportionate focus on an exaggeration of emotive stories for public consumption. The news is, dare I say, some would argue not. Then there's who would say it is, depending on who you're talking to, related to the gossip section. You'd have seen it. You know, the report says, and Johnny says, and there ain't nothing but gossip. He said, she said. It's the human practice of sharing information about other humans of mutual interest. A common sensational topic is, watch this, violence. Hence another news term. It's a term connected to this. If it bleeds, it leaves. That's why I don't want to tell you about who got shot, robbed, stabbed, beat a bullet, and broken into. If it's bleeding, is leave. Why? Because it knows it's going to make you angry. It's no difference to me than the bold and the beautiful down at the general hospital in another world as they search for tomorrow for all their children while understanding Ryan's hope as the world turns through the edge of night under the guiding light. Because after all, there's only one life to live, so they must fulfill their passions all the days of their life. Did I miss any of the soap operas there? You didn't miss many. You didn't miss <laughs> <I forgot>. any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us, help us, Lord, help us. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we were ever told the truth. I wonder what would happen if we, as a people, ever truly came to understand who our adversary truly is. I wonder what would happen if the devil's words actually sank into our souls. What would happen if we understood? What would happen if we ever realized 
Louisville, Kentucky police didn't kill Breonna Taylor. Two Georgia citizens didn't shoot down a Marbury, Aubrey, Ahmaud Aubrey. Who killed George Floyd? Derek Javon, I beg to differ. You say Rustin Shatee shot Jacob Blake? Personally, I have to say that's an inaccurate statement. Then you say the people looting in Kenosha, Louisville, and Portland are Antifa thugs. No, no, no. You got that wrong, too. The real culprit is hiding in the shadows. The real criminal mastermind is sitting comfortably in his palace. The one who completely understands his mission statement and operates it to perfection. I know this because I had a conversation with Brother Peter. He flat out told me. He said, Brother Eric, be clear-headed. Keep alert. Your accuser the devil is on the prowl. Like a rowing line. Seeking who he may devour. And before I could finish my chat with Brother Peter, you see, Brother Paul came over and pulled me over. See, that's who I was talking to this week. I ain't had time to talk to humans. I had to talk to somebody who could catch me. Because Paul pulled me over and sat me down and poured me a nice cup of Lipton iced tea. They told me there's going to be Lipton in heaven. I think I found it. If it's not true, just leave me in my imagination and I'll be all right. And he sat me down. He said, I agree wholeheartedly with Brother Peter Paul said. But, but it's, it's, it's just a little piece I think you need to know. If you don't mind, I'd just like to add an addendum to Brother Peter's commentary. Because the people these days are fed up, you know, attacking the president, the Republicans, the police. That's not the problem. No, no. The problem, he said, Brother Eric, and the day that we recognize it is the day that our lives would be so much better. He said, Brother Eric, I'm trying to get the people to understand. I was trying when I was down there with you. To get them to understand that we aren't fighting against human enemies. But against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. What would happen 
we ever learn the truth. If I sit here with my arms folded and shaking my head like I got an attitude, bopping my lip at the same time, I wonder. Oh, I wonder. Now, I know. I know what some are thinking. So you don't have to ask me. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I'm not eight percent. I like to tell myself at least, right? But then there's that two percent that's pretty bad. I admit it. I did what many folks would do if they heard a statement like that, especially if you're in distress, you're emotionally wound up. I cut off, brother Paul. You ever been reading the passage and you see something to make you mad and you just close the whole book and walk away? It happens. I cut off Brother Paul and I had to know because he was telling me about this, these forces and, and all this evil and all this stuff up there and, and he left me believing that I was helpless. Nobody wants to be helpless. Nobody wants to be a proverbial lame duck. Nobody wants to sit and be told that there's nothing they can do. Nobody wants to stand by idly and and get stripped of their humanity. And most importantly, get stripped of their dignity. So how dare you come here, Brother Paul, and try to tell me not to look at these things that I'm seeing. You can tell me that these people didn't shoot my daughter, my brother, my son. You can tell me they, but they got the guns. That's what I saw. And now you're going to tell me that there's nothing I can do about it. Brother Paul sat there. Leave me in my mind. It'll be all right in a minute. I'm going to jump. I'm going to get back to reality. Just let me stay in my world for a second, if you don't mind. Brother Paul sat there. He quietly listened. Let me express myself. Then he patiently said, just relax a little bit. I'm going to tell you what to do. He said, Brother Eric, first I had to let you know where the battle was. He said, the problem is you're shooting, but you don't know where your target is. And if you find your target, you'll win. Well, how do I win, Brother Paul? He said, sit down and relax. I'm going to tell you. It's a simple thing. Therefore, pick up the full arm of God. Yes. 
so that you can stand your ground on the evil day. And after you've done all to stand, mm. after you've done everything possible, after you've crossed every I and dotted every T, after you've wiped every tear and looked in every corner, after you turned on your ADT, locked your 12 bolts on the front door, turned on your sense of life and went to bed, after you've done all, still standing there anyway. Not only that, Brother James came over because I'm assuming he heard the commotion, the emotional distress I was in with Brother Paul, and he decided to cut in. He said, let me add something else that you can do. He said, after you done stood, after you've done all you can do, I turn it over to God. And resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Yes. Somebody say resistance. When you see him coming, resist him. When he attacks you, cheering, resist him. When he tries to break in your house, resist him. When he tries to attack your body, resist him. He has no choice but to run away from you. I'm about ready to come home here in a minute. You just give me a few more seconds and I'll be out your hair. Because after talking to all those fine people, I realized I need a little bit more expert advice. You know, all of them were flawed. How could Peter tell me about being patient when y'all know what he did? How can Paul, I understand how Paul can tell me about the devil because he was one. James, you don't know much about him. He's kind of a quiet man. I don't know if that, to some degree, being quiet is just as bad as the other two in some cases, but we'll leave that alone. So I need it expert opinion and I realized in the prepare, in the preparation of the text I cut that off too close too I got the part where the bad news I got the part that hits you with sensationalism got you all wound up I, I did my job as a media personality I ought to apply to be a journalist I'm very good at it I told you the devil was coming after you. But I missed something. I missed, but Jesus gave him the answer. He said, just right under that 32nd verse, chapter 22 of Luke, he said, but I have prayed for you. that you would stay faithful to me no matter what. 
Then he, then he told Peter, Jesus did. He said, Brother Peter, you're going to do some things. You're going to mess up. I come to the conclusion why we beating ourselves up about messing up. God already knew you were going to mess up before you even messed up. He knew you were going to turn to that bottle. He knew you were going to pick up that pack. He knew you were going to go out there and participate in those things. He already knew it. He knew you were going to get so depressed that you're going to end up at the whorehouse. Mm-hmm. He knew that you won't sin for you was just medicating your pain. He knew it. The devil had just beat you so bad that you couldn't take it anymore. He already knew it. Mm-hmm. And in knowing that, he said, remember this, though. Because I know that you're going, but here's where my confidence level is. You're coming back. You're going to be back. I'm going to wait right here like the prodigal son in anticipation because I know you're coming back. You're going to be back. When you have turned back to me and have been restored, he said, watch this. Make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your family. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body it is his will that every need be supplied you're important to me I need you to survive I pray for you I love you I need you to survive. This my this the part right here that's the death nail to our society. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I know sometimes you get on my everlasting nerve, but I won't harm you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. With words, I know sometimes when I come downstairs, you just tore up my house, but I won't harm you. Mm-hmm. With words from my mouth, I went to the bathroom and you left your drawers on the floor and your hand to sink after you shaved, you old filthy man, you. But I won't harm you with words. From my mouth. I love you. You are important to me. Yes, sir. I need you to survive. 
this morning as we are gathered here together mama grandmama's gonna pray over us while she's praying I would like for you to do something for me more importantly I would ask that you join with me if it's your cousin, your aunt, you might have to write them down because you can't remember if you got so many children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, great-cousins, uncles and aunts and everybody else and all that stuff. You might need to go pick up the yellow pages because you got so many of them. I understand. Just just turn through the pages as you pray. Because they are important to you. And most importantly, you need them. Mm-hmm. What do you need them to do? Uh, I need them to survive. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Most holy and all-wise Father, we thank you. Because we can come to you this morning, knowing, O oh God, that we can trust you. Knowing, O oh God, that you are there for us. Knowing, O oh God, you understand everything about us. And God, we can put our trust in you, knowing that you love us. Knowing that you care about us, God. You told us, O oh God, to be strong in the Lord. You commanded us, O oh God, to be strong in the Lord. You encourage us, O God, to be strong in you. O God, as we come this morning, we ask in you for strength to do your will. We ask in you, O merciful Father, to look down upon each ear that's here this morning. And not on each ear, but God, teach us, O God, to teach our children, teach our grandchildren. God, help us to live a life that they may see Christ in us. And as we go forth day by day, God, Help us, O oh God, to be encouragers one to another. Bless us this morning, God. We need your strength, God. We can't live one way today and another way tomorrow, God. But we got to live holy, holy, holy. You call us, God, to be holy children, God. You call us to be inspiration to one another, God. You call us, O oh God, to build up one another, God. You call call us, O God, to be that light in this dark world. O God, in the name of Jesus, as we come this morning, God, we're asking for help. We need your help, O God, to live holy, God. We need your help, O God, to be the light in this dark world. Will you bless us this morning? Will you strengthen us this morning? Will you let us see ourselves this morning, God? And as we look within ourselves, what are we telling one another? Where are we leading people, God? Are we leading them to Christ or are we leading them to the devil? God, we leading people, God. But where are we leading them, God? 
We can't cry holy today and deliver for the devil tomorrow. But God, we got to live for you every day, every yes. hour, every moment. Yes. Help us this morning, God. Help us to be them lights, oh God. As our children come around us, let them see us praying, God. Let them hear us pray for you. Let them hear us command them to live for you. Let them realize, oh God, that you brought us to this day. You kept us through dangerous toils and snares, God. You kept us, oh God, in spite of situations that's on our doors, oh, at our doors, God. And you brought us here, dear God. And we're asking you today, God, to help us to be them shining lights, God. Help us to walk in the way you have told us to walk. God, you order our steps, God, and help us to walk with the way you told us to walk. Walk in your pathway, God, trusting you. Threaten not in ourselves what's going on in the world, God. Help us not to fear the situation that's going on, but trust you in knowing that you've got all power in your hands. Trust in you knowing that you care for us, God. You're going to work out every situation, God. You said what we sow, so shall we reap, God. And we have confidence to know, God, whatever man sent out is coming back home one day, God. Help us to trust you. Help us to praise you and magnify your holy and righteous name. We just thank you this morning, God. We thank you for another opportunity, oh God, to praise and to magnify your holy and righteous name. We thank you this morning. We just want to say thank you, God. We praise you and we love you. Give your name all the honor. This is all the glory. All go to you, God. Because it's you that's kept us. It's you keeping us, God. It's you making a way for us. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, we have come to the end of another meditation. And the thing that I hope that you take from this meditation is, well, comfort. I hope that you take inspiration. I hope that this meditation, this Sunday, if you're listening to this when it's released on the 27th, or whatever day you have placed this or should I say this rings in your earlobes or connects to same? You might have it on your Echo or your Google Nest or some Bluetooth speaker. I don't really know. Technology is just wonderful. The point that I want to make is I appreciate you for being here. And on behalf of the platform by which you're using, thank you. And if you could, just to make sure that you have uh, done whatever it asks you to do. Follow, subscribe, add, share. Sharing is very important. Not only does it build the platform, but it builds this community. So if you will do that with at least two people that you know need to hear this conversation today. I look forward to the next time we can do this. I look forward to the next time we can connect. And that's why you being here is very important because you're important to me. I need you to survive. So until the next time we can chat for me and mine.
unto you and yours. Laters. Mm-hmm.